Thank you for listening to this chapel message, originally presented at Clark Summit University in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. With more than 70 on-campus and online programs, Clark Summit University prepares Christ-centered, career-ready graduates to make a difference around the world. We hope this is an encouragement to you today. You'll get your first job that you apply for. And your salary will be $100,000 to start. And stock options as well. You'll winter in the islands and you'll ski in the Alps. You'll have two cars, always within two years of the year you're living. Your home will be one of your dreams. Your health, nothing but perfect. Your BMI, your hip ratio, will be perfect no matter what you eat. Your tears, only of joy. Now, while I hope that for each one of us, you have all lived long enough that no one, no one, gets from cradle to grave without some kind of pain. And again, as much as I want that for you, the reality is sometimes different. See, we don't need a lot of help to live that kind of lifestyle. But we do need help to knowing how to live with pain and suffering and disappointment. Because what happens when the salary is not 100000 when your husband's not all that he should be, or she's not all she can be? Elizabeth Edwards, a best-selling author, died of cancer in 2010. She was 61 years old. During her battle with cancer, she would ask, would she pray for healing? And she's replied, she would never pray to a God that blew her son off the road. See, her son Wade was driving his Jeep to the summer home, and a wind came across the road, picked up his Jeep, and crushed him. In her book, Saving Graces, Falling Solace and Strength from Friends and Strangers, Edward says, It's not surprising that Job, whose children were taken away from him and attested by God, provoked by Satan, found his way into many of our online discussions. We are not Job, I wrote, though the wind took away my child. These deaths cannot be test of our faith. The level of malevolence and ambivalence from a God that this inclusion requires is unthinkable. I have never accepted a God who might have chosen to intervene in the death of my boy, but did not. Who could have decided to stop the invisible wind that killed my son, but decided to do nothing. Edward illustrates the point that I'd like to make this morning is pain challenges our view of God. Pain challenges our view of God. And if you don't get the future you think you deserve and instead get pain and disappointment, 
it will challenge your view of God. Not out loud, you would never say it. You don't, work, you don't walk in a church on Sunday morning and the pastor asks you, how are you doing? I'm disappointed with God. I'm not happy. Because you're afraid what he might say. And we don't have that level of honesty in our churches. But the reality is, many walk in disappointed because God has not fulfilled their dreams. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Job chapter 2. In Job chapter 2, Job and his wife and Job's three friends are confronted with this problem of pain, much like Edwards, you and I and countless others. And what we'll see is how does Job deal with this problem of pain? And I hope this chapter will reorient us to the problem of pain because it doesn't take a crystal ball, it doesn't take a prophet to say that some of you now are going through pain. It could be emotional, it could be physical, but it's pain nonetheless. And if you're not going through it now, I guarantee you, you will go through it. And I want us to suffer well. Because there's one thing COVID has taught us, <laughs> that as believers, sometimes we don't suffer well. We grumble, we complain, and we act less than Christian. So look at chapter 2 with me. And again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, angels, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now, touch his bone in his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your power, only spare his life. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head and took a pot here to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. And his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, if you remember the setting of chapter 1, Satan and God are in heaven. Job's on earth not having a clue what's happening. So think about this stage as earth. Think about you in heaven watching this divine drama play out. And you remember chapter 1, Job loses all of his wealth in a day. In the same day, he loses all of his children. And all over a wager. 
will the man curse God? In chapter 1, it was take away his wealth and he'll curse you. In chapter 1 later, it's take away his children. He'll curse you. And now in chapter 2, it's take away his health. Give him pain. Touch his body. And right from his own lips, he will curse you to your face. And now you in heaven, the good angels and the bad angels are watching. What will the man do? Will he curse God? See, Satan's counting on that the only reason you and I worship is because God is a divine vending machine. We put our coins of worship in, we go to church, we have our devotions, we go to a Christian university, and we expect, although we don't say it out loud, we expect that God to bless us. And Satan says, I know those Christians. They're putting their coins of worship in, and if God doesn't spit out blessings, they will curse him. And God says, no, you don't understand Job. He's a blameless, upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil. He will not curse me, even if you take it all away. And in Job chapter 1, he doesn't, and you know the famous retort of Job, that he actually blesses God in the end of chapter 1. And this is extremely important because all of heaven is waiting. What will the man say? Because heaven is waiting, will he curse God? And Job has not a clue what's going on. So we have this divine stage where this drama of life plays out. So we see in Job chapter, Job chapter 2 that Satan once again comes. And he wants to up the ante. And that's why he says in verse 2, you know, where have you come from? And Satan walks around, roaming about the earth. And in verse 3, he says, and the Lord says, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Same question in verse chapter 1. For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. It's almost unthinkable that Job has to endure another attack. Hasn't he lost enough? He's lost all of his kids. He's lost his wealth, which doesn't matter really because he's lost his children. But, Job, but Satan really believes that Job will curse God. See, what Satan's going to say is you didn't touch him. You touched things that were close to him, yes, but touch him. Make him feel real pain, not emotional pain. Make him feel real pain. And he'll curse you to your face. Job chapter 1, we see that he holds fast his integrity. And this hold fast means that he grasped it even more. Now this is unnerving. That sometimes when we go through pain and suffering it makes us to cling to God even more if we respond rightly. And that's what he did at the end of chapter 1. 
But now Satan's going to up the ante because he believes if you take away your blessing of health from this man, he will curse you. So look at verse four. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for a skin, yes, all the man has, he will give his life. Put forth your hand now, touch his bone and his flesh, he will curse you to your face. This idea of skin for skin insinuates that Job willingly traded the skin of his livestock, the skin of his kids for himself. In essence, what Job is, Satan is saying is Job's being selfish. If it doesn't touch him, then it, it doesn't matter. Skin for skin. He traded his kids. You know, anyone who's been a parent recoils at such an idea. Most parents would die for their children. But Satan, always the liar, states categorically that Job bartered his children's death for his own how cruel now remember Job knows nothing he's mourning the loss of his kids Satan accuses God of buying Job's worship and devotion he worships you only because he has health take the health away he'll curse you see God is only a divine vending machine we only follow him when he gives blessings, but if he stops giving blessings, then I'm going to go to a different vending machine. And what happens when the vending machine doesn't give you what you put your coins in for? What do we do? Oh, that's okay, vending machine. You can keep my money. What do we do? We look around, make sure we're alone, and we do what? We kick the machine. Or as one person did to a drugstore that had a vending machine in its lobby that kept his dollar he drove his car through the front door into the vending machine to get his soda the man was committed in more ways than one see that's what we do to vending machines that don't give us what we want right we kick and we grumble because we expect something but God knows the heart and integrity of Job. So once more, again, Job is center stage of a divine wager where God stakes his reputation on a man. And don't miss this. This is to demonstrate that man loves God freely for who he is, not for what he gets. God believes that Job worships him because of God's character, not because he's a divine vending machine, but he is a sovereign, loving God who deserves our worship no matter what life brings me. So in front of the devil and all of heaven, Job takes center stage and sees whether or not the wager will be won. All heaven holds their breath because they're waiting, what will the man say? So look at verse six. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power, only spare his life. Verse 7, Then Job went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Boils. 
as soon as Satan leaves God's presence, he comes down to earth and he strikes Job. And although we do not know the exact identification of the disease, we do know some of the symptoms. Listen to this. Inflamed, ulcerated sores that break open, ooze pus, persistent itching, degenerative changes in facial skin, disfiguration, loss of appetite, fear, depression, and my favorite, worms formed in the sores themselves. Difficulty breathing, darkened eyelids, foul breath, loss of weight, darkening and peeling of skin, excruciating and continual pain, high fever, anxiety, delirium, sleeplessness. And notice the disease covered Job from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head and everywhere in between. And based on verse 5, the condition also affected his bone. And the pain in chapter 2, verse 13, is not only intense physical pain, but deep emotional pain as well. The man is surrounded with pain. But Satan is ever so clever that even though all this pain is affecting Job, Job never loses consciousness. You would think for a grace, man, just put the man out, unconscious. But Satan leaves him alive. And all of heaven waits now because the man is suffering intolerably. Curse God, man. Get it over me. What will Job's response be? Will Job prove Satan right and curse God? Or will he do something different? I can't help but wonder what we would do with such pain. I mean, some of us, if we're using a hammer and we hit our thumb with the hammer, what do we say? Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I was on a roof. I was a pastor in New Jersey, and I was flinging shingles to one of our roofers, and he's going, man, he's just putting them down. He's hammer, and all of a sudden, the wrong nail got under the hammer, and he went like this, and he said, oh, my, just, and he started saying something about Jesus. I wasn't quite sure what he was going to say, but he looked at me and stopped. And said, oh, sorry, pastor. If we can't handle that kind of pain without using the Lord's name in vain, what is Job going to do? But look at verse 8. He took a pot share to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. The ashes of the city dump. Because he smells so bad, his wife said, get away. Go to the dump. He's sitting at the garbage disposal, so to speak. And he takes a piece of potsheer, a broken piece of pottery. And the pain is so bad, he just scrapes the rough end over his body to try to get some relief. And remember, pus and worms shakes it off and continues. That's how much pain he's in, but notice... He doesn't say anything. But his wife <laughs> enters the picture. Verse 9. Then his wife said, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Thank you, wife. Now, some ask the question is why did God keep <laughs> his wife around? Because she seems like the voice of Satan, and she does echo exactly what Satan wants. Job to do 
but really Job's wife is not on trial. The wager doesn't center on her. She's a foil to say, yeah, this is your option, Job. You can use this. This is death by cop. Hey, curse God and die because death is better than what you're suffering. Now, the one thing we can learn right away about the problem of pain from Job's wife is that pain in ourselves or in those we love not only attacks us physically, but it also attacks our view of God for those who are watching. So maybe you're not going through pain this morning. Maybe it's your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe your mom or dad have cancer, and that pain for them is physical. But for you, it's emotional. And you're going through it with them. And you're wondering why, when your parents have served God, they've put in their coins of worship why do they have to suffer? And maybe it would be better for them to curse God and die. You see, the problem with pain is it attacks our view of God. Satan must have been <laughs> grinning from ear to ear when Job's wife speaks because all the bad angels say, yeah, that's exactly it. Say it, Job, go with your wife. Go with your wife. That's what we want to see happen. But look at what Job says in verse 10. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Notice he doesn't call her as foolish. He says, you speak as a foolish woman. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, this does not mean he did not sin with other parts of his body. This is not like Job is saying, hey, we'll accept good, but I'm not happy with it. No, Job is saying, hey, we accept the good that God gave and we'll accept the adversity. And the narrator tells us with all, Job did not sin with his lips. And this is vitally important to understand because the rest of the book is in dialogue and the wager continues, will the man curse God? And where will the curse come from? The lips. So at least right now in chapter two, the wager is secure. Job doesn't curse God. Ben Peterson quotes the Heidelberg Catechism and states, all things, even health and sickness, come to us not by chance but by God's hands. That, says the good catechism, should make us thankful in prosperity, patient in adversity, and confident regarding the future. <laughs> but we have a problem with pain, don't we? We rail against it, we curse it, but no matter what we do, we never eliminate pain for good. We spend billions trying to control it. Some even go so far to take their lives thinking that they can eliminate pain. Some trying to drown it in alcohol, drugs, or sex. Many live in fear of it. Job would not succumb to the problem of pain. See, because Job would not, at least at this point, allow pain to lower his view of God. And as I've worked through this passage, that's the problem of pain. It's actually a problem of faith. See, the problem, because pain attacks our view of God, and the problem of pain is reality a problem of faith. C.S. Lewis, in The Problem of Pain, writes this. 
If God were good, he would wish to make his creatures perfectly happy. If God were almighty, he'd be able to do what he wished. But the creatures are not happy. Therefore, God lacks either goodness or power or both. See, folks, this is the problem of pain in its simplest form. It attacks our view of God. And see, and this is the the reason people are disappointed with God, because that's not what they expect. God is all-powerful, all-loving, all-caring, but here I am in pain. What gives, God? You know, if someone experiences the pain of losing a loved one, it says that we struggle with death. Do we really struggle with death? What happens if I stop breathing right now? I'd pass out. If my heart stopped, what would happen? I die. Anyone not understand that? You don't understand that? (laughs) Thanks, Alex. Appreciate that. I would die. It's simple. What would the struggle be? See, the struggle would be not the physical. The struggle would be the emotional. Why did God take somebody who was preaching his word? Did he say something wrong? See, we wonder why a loving God allows pain when he can so easily change it. See, we struggle with our view of God. Harold Kushner was a rabbi in Massachusetts. He watched his three-year-old son, Aaron, die of progeria. Progeria is a rare disease in which the victim ages rapidly. And it set him to thinking since his son was going through this terrible illness, he wondered about God, the God he believed in for so long, the God of the exodus that could divide the sea but would not intercede for his son. So Kushner thought about Auschwitz, murders, cancer, world hunger. His conclusions are written in his bestseller when bad things happen to good people, and this is it. God is good. God is compassionate, but even God can't be everywhere at once. The universe in which we live is a random universe. God gives grace and comfort to the suffering, but he can do nothing to prevent their suffering. When it comes to that, all he can do is wring his hands in grief and frustration with the rest of us. (laughs) Is that God? See, but that's what we do. See, when we can't put God into our frame of reference because of pain, we lower our view of God. God must not be the God of the Bible. He must not be the God of the Exodus. He has to be something less. And he wrings his hands like the rest of us. Why does pain drive men to curse God? Because we have expectations. We expect health, wealth, and prosperity. And if we don't get it, if we don't get some return of investment for me putting my divine coins in for my sacrifice to God, I kick the vending machine. Or the option is, as Francis Anderson says, it's easier to lower your view of God than to raise your faith to such heights. See, we have an option. We can kick the vending machine or say, hey, God, all right, you're in control. I'm not exactly sure what you're doing, but 
I'll trust you in the midst of it. See, we have two options when pain strikes. I can humbly trust a loving God that has my best interest at heart and would do nothing unloving or unkind towards me, which is raising my faith, or I can lower my view of God like Kushner and Edwards and say, no, God's not God. And there are the only two options. There is no third option. And in Job chapter 2, verse 10, he says, shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? This is a rhetorical question. He's not asking for information. He says, of course. Why? Because God is God. And he goes back to chapter 1 and says, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, the Lord taken away. Hey, it's all his. Even I'm his. And this is his plan for my life. I'm okay with that. And I will accept it. Job's response to pain teaches an important lesson. And that lesson is we have a choice. We can either curse God, lower our faith, or say God is God no matter what pain I'm going through. But that is difficult. And the difficult part of that is it's only practice through times of pain. It's not something you can prepare for because it's when pain happens to you that we're confronted with our view of God and we look at the divine vending machine and say, what's up, God? Now I'm talking about times that we suffer not because of our own sin. But I'm suffering times when we just suffer because pain and we didn't cause it. And all of you will go through it. I wish I could keep you all from it, but the reality is not. I had this happen to me about 15 years ago. I came home from Bible study. I was a good pastor. I was studying the Bible. I was teaching others. And I came in, and my wife's crying at the kitchen table. And I said, oh, no, this is not good. And she looks at me and starts crying harder. I'm saying, woman, come on, speak faster. What's up? She looked at me and she says, you have celiac disease. Silly what? I said, what is that? Am I going to die? She said, maybe. I had lost 15 pounds in a month. No idea what was wrong. And you probably know I, it was a gluten-free diet. My villi, I was actually starving myself to death. Now, this is 15, 16 years ago. I said, what does that mean? She says, you can't eat Oreos, pizza, um, hamburgers, anything with bread. I said, what? And we went to the store the next day, and she says, you can't eat this, read the label. You can't eat this, read the label. Can't eat this, read the label. I said, what, I'm a rabbit now? I said, I'm going to die eating lettuce. No Oreos. Now, we can laugh at it now. And the funny part was, I'm standing in the middle of Weiss crying because I can't figure out my life. And my next thought was, God, what's up? This is not what I expect. And remember, a number of us are Baptist here. And how do we fellowship? Food. We can't fellowship without food. I can't eat. Even a crumb will make me deathly sick and increases my cancer risk if I get cancer 80% fatal. 
If you see me eating a hamburger or a sub, you know I got that disease that says I'm gonna die. I'm gonna enjoy the last hamburger because it's not gonna kill me anyways. But at that moment, my wife and I had to come to the point and say, what do we do with God? Here we're serving God. I came up here to teach at the seminary. I thought it was a good thing moving to Pennsylvania. And my life fell apart. But we come to the point now that says, okay, we learned a lesson. Good. Okay, I think I can deal with it. Matter of fact, the past year they just came out with gluten-free Oreos, so I'm safe. And they're not too bad. But in 2011, Easter time, I had five brain surgeries. Because about, yet 12 years ago, it'll be this October, I was struck with trigeminal neuralgia. And that's what Dr. Schlesser was referring to. Trigeminal neuralgia is the second worst pain known to medical science. It gives me severe jolts on normally left side of my face, but I'm unique that I have it on both sides. And what you'll see is you'll see me get jolted like this for two or three seconds, and I can get hundreds of those jolts in an hour, or I can get 100 in a day. Generally, I can't go an hour without some kind of pain. I've had five brain surgeries to correct it. Can't do it. Even Ben Carson, Dr. Carson, was one of my surgeons. He says, Mark, you're unique. I said, thank you. My mommy always told me that. This is not what I want to be unique for. And I can't. There's times I can't even talk. The pain is so bad. So Joy and I have to deal with again, what do we do with God? Because I want to serve God. No matter my coins go into the machine and what comes out. Celiac disease, trigeminal neuralgia. Now folks, let's change it. What if you're on the stage? Forget about celiac, forget about trigeminal neuralgia. What about you? See, I do believe that God gave us the book of Job to show us that this dynamic of men and women being on the divine stage and Satan putting them to the test is still taking place. And it may not be me, it may be this brother or that sister. And God's going to say, because Satan still roams around the world looking, and Job, and God says, have you considered my servant Doc? Now, none of you want me to point to you right now. Say, no, not me. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. Pick someone else. But we don't get to choose. So God says, hey, take Doc Slesser. Take Coach. Put him on the divine stage. Take away X. Give him pain. And he'll curse you to your face. See, this is not history. This is current events that the book of Job plays out. The only thing that changes is the character in the drama. It's no longer Job. It's you. If God were to put you on that divine stage, how would you respond? Tozer said, God is looking 
for men and women in whose hands his reputation is secure. Think about all the things you're going through, all the struggles, all the pain, all the loss. Could it be that at this point right now, you're on the divine stage and all of heaven is waiting to see what will you do with God? Will you curse him? Or will you raise your faith to such heights to trust him with your pain and in your pain? Father, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Job, Lord, and I pray that for each one of us here that you would keep us in your word. You'd keep us anchored in, especially in this story. Help us to suffer well. Help us to be able to please you in our suffering and not lower our view of you and to trust you with whatever you allow in our lives because you are God. You do reign as we sang this morning and we want to live that out and experience it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Clark Summit University's Chapel Series. Visit www.clarksummitu.edu to learn more about CSU. Become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate through on-campus and online degree programs. Look for us on social media at Clark Summit U and share your feedback.